and welcome to another episode of Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the garrulous Matt. Hello there. So. We've got another guest with us today. We do, actually, yes. Yeah. So I'll apologise in advance. My dog, Leia, refuses to leave the room. So if there's any barking or any noise, it's her fault, not mine. Yeah. I don't think there will be. She's good as gold, aren't you, little one? She better be. <laughs> right, so, um, yeah, we are discussing a, a two-parter today. Yep, Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. So, your first Cyberman story. Bit, bit of a spoiler, I thought, the title. It's a bit like when we went through Dalek. Yeah. And there was this huge reveal in the episode, and it's just... Spoiled this the is title. especially when it comes to Dalek stories, but also to quite an extent with Simon stories. It's almost like a tradition in Doctor Who. Right, like the majority of Dalek stories are blank of the Daleks. Right, it's like right. Day of the Daleks, um, uh, Revelation of the Daleks, Genesis of the Daleks, and usually the cliffhanger at the end of the first episode is, "Oh my God, it's a Dalek." Um, despite what the fact happens that here. Yeah, despite the fact that right in the, 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 the opening credits, it says, insert word here, of the Daleks. Yeah. So, so, funnily yeah. enough, the last time we saw the Cybermen was in Dalek. It was, yeah, yeah. We saw, we saw a Cyberman head yeah. in uh, Van Staten's museum. So, But now we are finally getting to meet them properly. Well, a version of the Cybermen. Yeah. So, this episode's from 13th of May, 2006. Yeah. Written by Tom McRae. Tom McRae, his first uh, writing credit on Doctor Who. Does he go on to do a few more? Uh, yeah, he does uh, He does at least one other episode, right. I think. Um, I'm trying to remember if he's done more than that. I don't know whether he has. It's not the last you'll see of him, but uh, writing for Doctor Who, but he's not one of the more... He's certainly not one of the most prolific writers for the show. He's not up there with your, your Moffats and your Gattises and uh, no. what have you. O- ordinarily, you ask me what I think of the episode. I do. I'm quite interested to th- know what you think of this episode. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go all in. Uh-huh. I think if you have a fondness and a nostalgia for Doctor Who, you will enjoy this episode. Uh-huh. If you don't, then you won't. Okay. Right. Um, I... Like I do like this episode. I don't love this episode. Um, and actually, I think it's my fondness for the classic series that maybe is one of the things that gets in the way of me liking it as much as I could. And that's just because uh, cards on the table, Cybermen are my favourite classic uh, okay. villains. Okay. I adore the Cybermen. I think they are the, they are more interesting than the Daleks. Because of the body horror aspect, the the fact that they are humans stuffed inside these machines, mm-hmm. and the way it, that that they play on the 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 concept, of basically, what does it mean to be human? Yeah, that's the question that is posed when you whenever you encounter the Cybermen in a story, and I think much as. For various reasons, I respect the fact that they did it as a parallel Earth story. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, obviously affords certain interesting storytelling opportunities. See, it uh, kind of cheapens the fact that these aren't proper science. They're not no, from our world. See, you've, <laughs> you've taken the point I wanted to make. That mm. my main criticism with this episode yeah. 
is obviously we're in a parallel Earth. Yeah. So none of this really matters. Yeah. You know, this isn't like Star Trek where there are consequences from, is it the mirror universe? Yes, yeah. To the normal. Where things kind of bleed over. Yeah, yeah, and I think in the recent Star Trek series, Discovery, that was done really well. Right. I'll and take your word for it. I've not watched it. Uh, well, season two dropped on Friday. I've not watched it yet. But here, I just felt at no point did it really matter because the Doctor effectively says at the beginning, 24 hours, we'll be going home. Yeah. So worse comes to worse, they can just go in the TARDIS, lock the door. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, the thing is, yes, it, that's, it's true in terms of the fate of this particular world. Yeah. It has no bearing on our world, for yeah. want of a better term. Having said that, it does have impact on some of our characters from yeah. this world. So, so I don't want to give the game away, but yeah. that is the one thing I liked from this episode. Yeah. There's one big thing I didn't like. Mm-hmm. One big thing I liked. Ah. And I think the thing I didn't like, I didn't like more than I liked the thing I liked, <laughs> if that makes sense. I just about followed that. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think the negatives outweigh the positives. Mm. I don't know. I think this episode plays on a fondness for characters that we've only met once. Yeah, that's a fair point. And again, not really knowing the Cybermen, I didn't really care. Yeah, I think there is definitely an expectation, or maybe not an expectation, but with the fact that most of the people making this show have a fondness for the classic series, it bleeds through. You You don't end up writing for Doctor Who at this point, unless you're already a kind of a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, you know, there are enough of them out there that you can get talented writers who are also already steeped in the history and, and want to do their take on things. But yeah, so inevitably, I think some of that bleeds through into the episode, intentionally mm-hmm. or otherwise. I can I can see how, from from an outsider, you look at the sign, they're kind of ridiculous, stomping yeah. around the place and and... I can I can certainly see how someone could come away from these two episodes and just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, so what? Yeah. So anyway. I, I think overall I'd give this episode bad with good bits. Okay, if, yeah. If I not would... all out bad, bad with good bits. I you see, this is the thing, yeah. I'd say I'm I'm over onto the good with bad bits territory, but I will certainly admit it has its flaws. Right. So uh shall, shall we, we yeah. Go through it? Why not? Okay, so we start in some kind of ominous lab. Yeah. Where the prototype has passed every test. It certainly has. Okay. And it's revealed we have Trigger from Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> yeah. Roger Lloyd Pack yep. in a wheelchair. Now, so straight off the bat, yeah. what did you make of his performance? Okay, it's really one note. It's really, really one note. But I don't hold that against him as an actor. See, towards the end, I find I found it quite grating. Yeah. Because every sentence he says is in a menacing evil voice. Yeah, and... yeah. But I think that's the way it's written, though. He's not given... for. And this is one of my frustrations with it, right? He is... Okay, well, I've got a lot of frustrations with the character of Lumix, so I'm, I'm going to just go through it all, right? <laughs> so, first of all, most fundamentally, as I say, the, the, the appeal of a Cyberman story is questioning what it means to be human. Already... Really early on, they're doing everything they can to dehumanise John, Lo- John Lumic as a character. Mm-hmm. So his eventual 
turning into the cyber controller doesn't feel like any kind of loss <laughs> because he was already half man, half machine. Yeah. He was already... He'd already shed any kind of sense of human emotion, even if if, if he even had it to begin with. We don't yeah. know. We never get any sense of John Lumick as a man who had anything to lose by becoming a Cyberman. No, absolutely. And, and I think that's a, that's a real flaw in the writing. Uh, and I don't hold that against Roger Lloyd Pack as an actor. I think he's given some very, very thin material to work mm-hmm. with. He's one of those faces, right? I mean, people know him from Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't a particular fan of Only Fools and Horses. Vicar and Dibley Vicar Dibley, well. I definitely recognise him from. That was definitely something yeah. that was more of a presence in our household. But yes, yeah, so he's good at broad performances and comic performances. But again, he's a comic actor. He gets to do nothing funny in this no. at any no. point. And there's nothing wrong with giving your villain a bit of humour. He's just real hammy, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, so I think it's just a bit of a waste. I think with better material, that he was he could have been a more interesting villain. Plus, I think as well, the fact that he... And I'll be careful with my words here. Yeah. Because he's wheelchair-bound. Yeah. That could have been a point of bitterness moving towards creating this artificial sure. body. Yeah. But it's never really drawn upon. No, no. And and I, I, this is the other thing that I wanted to touch on. Again, this is something you probably won't be aware of from the classic series, um, but the, the, the creator of the Daleks mm-hmm. is a chap called Davros. I don't okay. know if that rings any bells with you or not. Yeah. He It's basically this man who is obviously um, had some kind of physical trauma in his life and is essentially half Dalek. Right. Before he's created the Daleks, he's in a sort of wheelchair that is like the lower half of a Dalek, okay. effectively. Okay. So I'm not a big fan of the disabled villain trope. Yeah. Because it is a trope, and it's a problem that that we have in, 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 in popular culture that the overwhelming majority of uh, disabled representation historically has been in villainous roles mm-hmm. you, you know you've got Doctor Strange Love and, and Davros is an example of that and you know on and on it goes that because someone is wheelchair bound that they must inevitably be twisted up and bitter inside mm. and, and which isn't to say that that in isolation can't work as a storytelling device but when it becomes a pattern yeah. it can become a problem and when Doctor Who already has a right. super iconic disabled <laughs> creator of an alien right so it would have been race. treading the exact same path it, if... it feels very similar right. to davros in a that lot of makes ways a lot more sense why they yeah. didn't go down there then yeah and i don't i understand narratively that they wanted john Lumick to to be the someone who was facing death mm-hmm. and as a result was going down this route of creating cyber technology. Could they have done it in a more interesting way? Did he have to be wheelchair bound? Mm. Did he? Could he have walked with a cane or something? Could could we also have gotten glimpses of his humanity? Yes. Before, uh, but anyway, we're getting really ahead of ourselves yeah. here. But uh, but, yeah. but I do think it's it's important up front to to be right. To, like, so like, that, that makes a lot of, of yeah. sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So is. We touched on it there. The cyber controller is that. That's a recurring part. trope okay. of Cyberman stories. Sometimes you get Cyberman stories without cyber controllers, but they are 
a figure within right. Sidemen. Uh, one of the other things about Sidemen is that they have like a 10,000 different origin stories. Right. There is no one unifying origin story for the Sidemen. So, okay. so whilst, you know, I'm a bit annoyed that these aren't proper Sidemen because they're from a parallel world, I will also accept the fact that the fact that it's yet another origin story for the Sidemen, that's nothing new. So, right. Okay. Mr. Lumick says that Geneva will refuse approval of his new life form. Yeah. So we can say that he's up to no good. Yeah. And he immediately kills another scientist yes. that's been working with him. Yeah, because basically they have this point of disagreement where uh, the scientist is, is honourable and is like, well, we have to tell them about this new life form we've created. Um, we have to go by the rules. And specifically, <laughs> Lumix's response is, well, uh, 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 no, because the scientist says, um, well, if you don't tell them, I, I will have to. And Lumix is like, well, how will you do that from beyond the grave? And, and the scientist says, I don't quite follow you. Could he have been <laughs> any clearer? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is not a subtle threat. Yeah. It, it would have been better if he had to explain that. <laughs> If, if the scientist just went, sorry, what? And he's just like, Look, you know, let me break oh, it down right. for you. We're disagreeing. I'm a pretty bad guy. You're going to die. Either way. Yeah. So, so already we, we like we we've not we we've not even got to the title uh, uh, yeah. of the episode yet, and already we've kind of set out our stall in terms of the kind of campiness yeah. that we're in store for here. Yeah. So. so, in my notes here, it says that they're going to target Great Britain. And yeah. I've just written, I bet you £1 million it's Cardiff or London. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. 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 Right. So, we then have the titles and we cut to the Doctor and Rose. Yeah. Basically bullying Mickey. Yeah. It's, uh, the, it's kind of sad to see, isn't it? Yeah. The Doctor just makes him hold a button. Yeah. So he can hang out with Rose with Mickey out the way. Yeah. It's, yeah, again, I think similar to, I think I made a particular note of it in Tooth and Claw, that the the kind of relationship between the Doctor and Rose at this point is so chummy and flirty and in-jokey and that they're not really taking everything else around them particularly seriously. Yeah. And it's kind of sad to see when that, that reflects on Mickey, who yeah. I think is, you know, we said before, deserves better. Yeah, than this. and at the end, where they decide to take Mickey with them yeah. prior to Girl in the Fireplace, yeah, he's so excited yeah. to be along for the trip, yeah, and now they're just kind of ignoring him. Yeah, yeah, this could be the greatest adventure he's ever on, and he's just holding a button. Yep. So the TARDIS then explodes. Yep. The time vortex is gone, and the TARDIS is dead. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, I kind of like that moment because it's so jarring. It's, you know, this is, we've seen the TARDIS be wonky before. We've seen it fizz and spark occasionally, Mm -hmm. things like that. But it just, it properly explodes and shakes and, you know, like, I think something like the cables start. That's right. Detaching. Because it's falling from time into a lost dimension. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, when they open the door, it's London. Yeah, but I do, I do like how that's played for for a gag. In the, the the doctor is this kind of despairing, like, oh, 
We've you know we've fallen through the time vortex. We we we're, we're lost. We're in the the, the, the never world. The, the you know world beyond time or whatever. Um, and Mickey and, and just, just opens like, the door. Looks a lot like London. <laughs> so yeah. the main difference is when they open the door, there's zeppelins. Yeah, reminiscent of the Empty Child. Yeah, we know that Rose can swing from a zeppelin for approximately a quarter of an hour. Yeah, comes in handy later. Yeah, <laughs> right. So Mickey basically explains alternate dimensions to the to Rose. Yeah, and well, they, I mean, he looks like he's probably read more comics than Rose has. Yeah, yeah. He, he sort of has a movie enthusiast's explanation of yeah. alternate dimensions. Yeah, and they notice on one of the posters, but it's like an animated LCD screen uh-huh. poster that Pete Rose's dad's still alive. Yeah. So were you expecting? To ever see Pete again? Um, yeah, but maybe not in this way. Yeah. I was expecting, you know, we might see him in flashbacks and what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it is a more... If you're going to explore further the relationship between Rose and, you know, the dad she never had, basically, mm-hmm. it's an interesting way to go about it. I think that was, you know, obviously one of the motivations behind doing this episode as a parallel world one. Uh, I wanted to make mention, actually, that this isn't the first time Doctor Who has done parallel worlds. Okay. Most notably, uh, there is a third Doctor story called uh, Inferno, uh, and the basic premise of which is that uh, the Doctor and Unit are investigating this uh, like uh, scientific drilling site. They're basically, they're kind of like just drilling. I think possibly to you know trying to get to the centre of the Earth or whatever for for scientific reasons. And the Doctor warns that this is going to go terribly wrong. Meanwhile, he's trying to fix the TARDIS um, because he's been ex- exiled on Earth and has had his ability to use the TARDIS taken away from him by the Time Lords. He's tinkering away with it and conveniently slips into a parallel world where he watches the awful scenarios of that he's predicting basically play out in this alternate reality, but it's an alternate reality where, like... Brigadier Lethbridge, Lethbridge Stewart of Unit is evil, and you can tell that because he's got an eye patch, right? And things like that. So, so they have a bit of fun with the whole parallel world aspects of it. Anyway, he watches this world basically die, mm-hmm. just get destroyed by this experiment. Then comes back to our reality, and is more sort of like this kind of mad prophet of doom at that point um it's kind of an interesting it's one of the most acclaimed uh third doctor stories right uh, i consider giving it to you for, for uh after the end of series three but it's like seven episodes so yeah, far too many <laughs> far too many um but yes yeah, so i just wanted to make note of the fact that this isn't the first time doctor who that to be fair it's hard for Doctor Who to do anything for the first time at this point you know given how long it's been on the air. Uh, there will be another example of a similar idea elsewhere. But, right. um, yeah, anyway. So, in this reality, Pete is super rich. All yeah. his, like, hair-brained, like, get-rich-quick schemes all appear to have paid off. Or at least one has. Yeah. You only need one idea to take off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And here it's Jackie's birthday. And uh-huh. When we meet Jackie, she's got a little dog called Rose. Yeah, <laughs> I think because they kind of tease you, don't they? Like that maybe she will have yeah, a she, rose I in this. I think she calls yeah. for rose. Yeah, and the music builds up yeah. to this revelation, and then it's like a little Yorkshire terrier yeah. comes running around the corner. Yeah, and it's so I don't think it's really highlighted at this point, but it's the first time we see everyone's wearing odd 
earphone. Yeah, like the those Bluetooth headset things. You yes. don't really see very much now, but back in 2006 when this was made, yeah. were a fairly common sight yeah. um, on the on the ears of wankers, should yeah. we say? Yeah, I taxi don't think drivers it, mainly. I think taxi drivers, fair enough if you're doing them, but you would sometimes see like you know. Business knobheads. Yeah, yeah, just knobheads in suits <laughs> strutting around with these yeah. Bluetooth headsets in. Mr. Lumick calls Pete at yeah. this point via his headset and they seem to have some sort of business arrangement, some sort of working relationship. Yeah. And together they're going to meet the President of Great Britain. Yeah. So again, Parallel world! Yeah. yeah. Another hint that things aren't really... Yeah. Yeah, we've abolished the monarchy for some reason. So far, we things we know about this parallel world, we've abolished the monarchy and there's zeppelins. Because apparently there was no Hindenburg disaster. (laughs) So, following Uh, their conversation, Jackie has received a pair of these new earbud earphones for her birthday. Yeah. And Mr. Lumick just hacks her brain. Yeah. And it's similar if we go back to school reunion where we have the horrific early 2000s idea of what hacking is. Yeah. It's not entirely dissimilar to that. No. It's just a lot of flashing numbers. And yeah. 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 Oh, well. <laughs> right. So the Doctor, at this point, is still talking to Mickey about parallel realities. Yeah. And he notices a tiny flashing light. So it seems to be that the TARDIS is still alive. It's just in a very, very weakened state. Yes, yeah. So there's hope. Yeah. Because I do will say, it, it was kind of weird how quickly the Doctor gave up all hope on the TARDIS. Yes. Yeah. Like, just the second the disaster happens, he's just like, she's dead, she's gone, the yeah. last TARDIS extinct. It's just like, well, come on, mate, at least I mean, have a poke around. I mean, I'm, I'm not, by any stretch, an expert on Doctor Who. But yeah. in my fleeting experience... We have seen Rose absorb the heart of the TARDIS. Uh-huh. We've seen the Doctor die, which causes the TARDIS to stop working, but then the Doctor's okay and the TARDIS is all right. Yeah. We know for a fact from pretty much every episode, cliffhangers don't mean anything. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Is there that much peril? Yeah, it, it feels... It's it's kind of manufactured. You know, if, yeah. if you were the Doctor, you would maybe feel that you perhaps had bad luck. Yeah. But he's never faced anything really that <laughs> terrible. You know, I know when yeah. the Daleks come and yeah. his entire species have been wiped out, that's pretty but, bad. But, so, but on a day-to-day basis, yeah. I don't think he's had anything bad enough that would make him entirely give up hope at this yeah. point. Yeah, but then I, I think the thing is, I, I maybe just goes to underscore his relationship with the TARDIS and basically... The TARDIS is his one constant companion, if you like. Mm. It's, it's always there throughout... His travels, he can't travel without it. His his whole way of life is predicated on having a functioning TARDIS. So I can see why he would lose hope in in, uh, in the moment. But yeah, maybe at least have a look under the hood, see if there's. But anyway, so he he does at this point discover this little glow, glowing crystal type yeah. thing, isn't it? Um, so we cut from there, and there's a weird evil man rounding up homeless people. Yes, on on the commands of John Lumick, he basically says that they, they need e- extra bodies. Yeah. So uh, I can't remember if I've got that character name. Oh, I don't down. know whether he gets. Is it Mister Crane? Could well, but yes, it so, is. Mr. Yeah, Mister Crane. Mr. Crane. 
he seems like just a dodgy bloke, doesn't he? Yeah, but like, at the same time, not someone you would have as part of a criminal empire. He's just sort of like a bit of a Cockney wide boy. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> no. kind of the vibe I get off it. Yeah. But I don't he, know. If, I think the thing is, he projects maybe a sense of loyalty. Yeah. So he, you can see him being a sort of right-hand man. Maybe not the, the brightest bulb, but he'll, he'll do as he's told. Yeah. And that's all you need from, from someone like that. So, so yeah, he's <laughs> rounding up these homeless men into the back of a van. And we re- we meet this... Uh, we meet... What's his face? Oh, Little blonde Geordie boy. He's got a boring name. I can't remember what it is. See, I've only got him written down as Ben. Because right. that was the character the same actor played in Biker Grove. <laughs> oh, right. I didn't realise he was from Biker Grove. <laughs> so, immediately, when I saw him, I thought... Yeah. I Know him from somewhere, <laughs> and in keeping with most episodes of Doctor Who, yeah. he's a former CBBC star. Yeah, I was going. So, he has that look about it. I, I, I always think he looks like he's just wandered off uh, an episode of X Factor or something. He's got he, a sort of boy band look. He's, he's got a face of a child on a man's body. <laughs> so yeah. the actor's name's Andrew Hayden Smith. Right, and I think. In his time, he perhaps did some hosting on CBBC as yeah, well as maybe. being in Biker Grove. But he yeah. certainly puts in a bit CBBC level performance in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, episode. If you're in a partnership where Mickey's the brains of the outfit, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, something's not yeah. quite right. But anyway, he sort of pops up and he's trying to talk these homeless people out of uh, getting into this back of this clearly dodgy van. They're so hungry. Yeah, that however vain a promise it is, it's worth a punt to them. Yeah, they've got nothing to lose. So, so yeah, we cut back to Rose, who starts googling Pete Tyler. Yeah, and she seems, despite all her adventures, she seems absolutely incapable of understanding that this isn't her father. I don't think it's that she doesn't understand. She doesn't want. She to doesn't. Want to she do, Yeah, she she is so desperate to make a connection with any iteration of her father that... I mean, think about it. Basically, her only interactions with any version of her father so far is the events of Father's Day, which ended utterly tragically. It ended, you know, one day for her in which she gets to meet her father, get hit on by her father. I'm, I'm, glad, um, I'm glad you've brought up Father's yeah. Day. I just want to mention something. Okay. okay. Father's Day. Yes. Pete Tyler should be dead Yeah. in that universe. He isn't dead. Yeah. And that leads to... Reavers. Yeah. yeah. In this reality... Or Reapers. I forget which one they are. Reapers. 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 In this reality, there's no Rose Tyler. Yeah. Now all of a sudden there is Rose Tyler. So I've said it every episode. <laughs> Where are the Reapers? Parallel this... world. It's different rules. But... It even says we've fallen through time. Yeah. And in Father's Day, it says, oh, whenever there's an issue with time, yeah. they fester in the womb. But this, but this isn't so much that it's an issue with time. It's an issue with reality. It's it's that they have fallen from one reality into another. Um, it doesn't matter that she's not... Are you it's... saying the big difference between our reality and this one is that the Reapers don't exist? Maybe. Right. We don't know. There's Zeppelins. Anything's I, I possible. Just think, I just think, in most episodes, I sort of make a half-hearted <laughs> argument for using the Reapers because it yeah. irritates me when you told me that they never come back. 
This is primo Reapers. No, it's not, because it's not a straight-up time paradox, is it? They've got, they've, they've travelled to a parallel world that is that is different to creating a time paradox within a single reality. Right, well, the Doctor... This is reality's crossing over. The Doctor should not say that they've fallen through time, then. He should say they've fallen through reality. That would have been helpful. Again, I'd just, if I was the I'd script that editor, sloppy writing. Yeah, yeah. This I, not be a I genuinely would would do that. Um, but anyway, right. So we have Pete meeting with the president. Yes, in a sort of inconsequential scene, other than the fact that Mister Lumin is basically going to do what he wants, regardless of what the president says. Yeah, basically, it's it's just for them to first of all establish the president as a yeah. as a character. It's, I think they establish the fact that Lumic has ties to Pete Tyler's businesses. Yeah. I, I think specifically that he owns basically mm. Pete Tyler's business and. And they have that little discussion about Lumic and, you know, the president's like, well, would you say that he's insane? And he's just like, well, I don't go that far. But uh, the implication being they both do think he is insane. Yeah. Um, do you think he's insane? Yeah. I, I mean, I, or a psychopath or, 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 or something. I don't think... He, he doesn't act like a rational man, does he? No. No. But following from that, we begin this plot thread where Mickey isn't in the best of moods. Uh-huh. He goes for a walk past military guards. Yes. And Rose explains that he may be off to see his dead nan in the hope yeah. that she's alive Yeah. in this reality. So yeah. the backstory being that there's a bit of damaged carpet on the stairs that Mickey repeatedly says that he'll fix but doesn't. before he yeah. has time to his nan slips on the stairs. Yeah. Pretty, pretty tragic bit of backstory. Um, so the, I think we've uh, skipped past the point here where basically um, Mickey and Rose are kind of both wanting to split off and explore this yes. parallel world. And the Doctor's like, telling them both, look, you can't meddle here. This isn't our world. And, and Mickey says to the Doctor, you can only go after one of us yeah. and it's never going to be me. Yeah. And um, he's got, lad's got a point. Without giving the game away, that sort of snowballs from this point. Yeah, definitely. That's the point at which I think the penny drops that this is going to be Mickey's story in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, obviously there's big implications for uh, Rose meeting a version of her father and all the rest of it. But deep down, this is Mickey's story. So following on from that, there's a weird noise that sort of permeates through all the earphones that yeah. seemingly everyone is wearing. Yes, yeah. Um, talk about market penetration. Yeah. Yes, it's, yeah. It's, it's beyond, it's, this is beyond the iPhone. This yeah, is. it's more than a fashion accessory. It yeah. seems, you know, a necessity that everybody yes. has these. Yeah. Okay. And the Doctor sort of realises this and begins to download the information. Yeah. I think they use the mobile phone, perhaps. Does it come onto Rose's mobile phone? Yes, it does, because obviously they don't have the Bluetooth thing, but but she said that she's still connected to the, to the Cybus network, which yes. is Lumix's uh, yeah. network. And they sort of piece things together. Uh-huh. That Cybus Industries seems to be running everything. Uh-huh. It's owned by this character, John Lumix, and they know that Pete is part of this in some way. Yeah. Okay. 
So and I think this is perhaps another bit of a missed storytelling opportunity here that you've basically got a single organization handling an entire country's news um, mm-hmm. and information, uh, you know, and everything else. And there is there is a thread there about, you know, which is key to Simon's stories is, is you know, conformity mm-hmm. and being a slave to technology and all of that. But I feel it's a bit underexplored here. Well, now that you've raised it, again, if we go back to this idea of if we put too much information in, it's yeah. going to echo previous stories. You know, we've had this before with the Bad Wolf Network. Yes, this idea yes. that you know one conglomerate runs everything, controls yeah, the information. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, that we have maybe we've had a story that tackles that head on, so maybe yeah. we can gloss over it on this occasion. I, but but I, I don't know. I think that's a rich area to 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 explore. I, I, maybe this is just because I'm interested <laughs> in you know in media in general and and, and you know yeah. all of that. But and I uh, so I'm always a sucker for that kind of um, you know media about media, shall we say? Mm. But it's almost throwaway in this, I feel like. Are the Daleks and the Cybermen just two sides of the same coin? There's so many parallels. There are lots of parallels, for sure. I think there is a key difference. And it's one that frustratingly occasionally gets contradicted by lazy writers who will claim that Daleks have no emotion. Daleks are all emotion. One emotion. Hate. Hate. Yeah. Whereas Cybermen are stripped of all emotion and exist only to, you know, upgrade humanity. Um, And they're they're basically... And the other thing as well as it's this kind of transhumanist idea of they're basically what... They're basically posing the question, what are humans willing to sacrifice for the sake of self-improvement through technology? Whereas with Daleks... Uh, the, the the casings were a means of survival, and and also basically the 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 propagation of. So yes, there are definite definite parallels. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've got organic matter stuffed in a tin suit, hell bent on everything being like that. Let, let me pose you a question. Yeah. Okay. You go to sleep tonight. Yeah. And you wake up. In what you think is tomorrow morning. Yeah. It's 3,000 years in the future. Okay. You are the last surviving human being. Oof. You're told that your body is no longer fit for purpose. Uh-huh. Would you rather Cybermen uh-huh. or Lady Cassandra? So you can either be an emotionless brain in a robotic body or an emotional brain in a sheet of A4 paper. Right. Could I just... Die instead? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would choose neither, because ne- neither seems like uh, a life I'd be or, happy living. if we go back to New Earth, yeah. secret option number three, fuck a cat. Oh, I'd fuck a cat. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. Uh, to to wow. stay in my own body? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just <laughs> see out your days as an old man. I don't want to be... Knowing... I, yeah. <laughs> knowing that I fuck a cat. Look, yeah. out of those three options, if and, I have to choose... It, and, you know, the cyber industries news network and the bad wolf network would be you'd be on the front page of the paper it'd be david saves <laughs> human race by fucking, a by cat. fucking I'd, be, a cat. I'd be a hero <laughs> okay a hero to millions look in some ways me and you are very different people <laughs> what would you choose then cybermen really yeah an emotionless 
robot. No individuality. No sense of self. Oh, maybe Lady Cassandra, because then at okay. least at least then I could still yeah, watch Netflix. But then you could watch Netflix, but you'd never be able to touch anything again. You'd never be able to play a video game. You'd never uh, be, be able... able to watch people stream it on Twitch. <laughs> Is that a thing you genuinely enjoy? Sometimes. Really? Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I find Twitch utterly baffling. Twitch is one of the things that makes me feel old. Right. It well, really does. I, I, I've been watching um, a YouTube channel. I think it's actually finished now. Called uh-huh. Vidiots. A guy called Ben. I think at one point was on What Culture. I've watched him playing through Dark Souls because I literally cannot do Dark Souls. Uh-huh. But I'm quite intrigued by it. So things like that I, I quite like. Hmm. No, Again, me and you are very, very different very, people. We certainly are. Right, so <laughs> so we cut back to Mickey, who has gone to see his nan. Right. And in this reality, he's called Ricky. Yeah. Which harks back to, like, an Eccleston joke. He quite it often does. called Mickey yeah. Ricky. Yeah. And I, I get the joke, right? But also, I find it a bit annoying because, like... Parallel Pete Tyler is still Pete Tyler. <laughs> Parallel Jackie is still Jackie. Yeah. Why is Parallel Mickey Ricky? Yeah. It's just for the sake of it's the joke. It's the only one. It? Yeah. Yeah. So it's at this point that we learn about how his nana died in this reality. Yeah. And Ben from Biker Grove appears yeah. and kidnaps him. Calls him Ricky at this point. Yeah. And tells him he's currently <laughs> London's most wanted, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a surprise. Yes, yeah. Obviously, Ricky and Mickey have taken very different paths in life. Yeah. So, the president <coughs> has rejected Lumix's plan. Yes. Which, I think it's the first time we get sort of an illusion of what that plan is, making metal bodies to preserve human brains. Yeah. And Mr. Crane, from earlier, shows Lumix that earpieces can be used for mind control. Mm-hmm. And as he does that, he plays the lion sleeps tonight to sort of drown out all the screaming. You see, like, I I like that as a bit of black comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it works quite well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Mickey is now with some sort of resistance group led by Ben. Yes. We later. I don't know if we find out here, but later we find out called the Preachers. Yes. Yeah. And as they break in, they find the real Ricky. Yeah. Who's sort of this alternate Mickey. Yeah. That is sort of the Mickey that Mickey wishes he was. Yeah, like a bit, like bit a, of a, a badass, badass and, you yeah, know, bit yeah. of a renegade. Yeah. So, cut back to the Doctor. He's with Rose, and they use the psychic paper to pose as waiters at Jackie's birthday party. Yeah, which Rose is very disgruntled by, because she wants. she's like, you know, this is a fancy party, we could be, anything, you know, lords and ladies, but, you know. Because I don't think we've really mentioned it, but, Throughout the episode, Jackie's birthday party is sort of this huge social event. Yes, yes. Because it's not council estate Jackie from our reality. She seems to be a lady of some prestige, quite well Well, just I think it's just because she's married into money with with Pete Tyler. Not that she... No, no, that's unfair, because she didn't marry into it. She married Pete, then Pete became a successful businessman. So she's effectively won the lottery. So she's, she's... I think she's still council estate Jackie, but elevated yeah. to this station where now she's having parties with, you know, all the movers and shakers. So, you know, the president himself yeah. is present at this party. Yeah. So, uh... But 
I, I don't know if it's at this point. Yeah. But there's, I think when Pete is giving a speech uh-huh. once Jackie's introduced, they mention quite a lot that he sleeps around. Yeah, maybe. I think there's yeah. a couple of voices from the crowd shouting. Yeah. You know, less than pleasant things. <laughs> so yeah. we get, even though he's doing well, we know that Pete maybe hasn't changed his ways that much. Potentially, yeah, yeah. Right, so... um, At this point, Mr. Lunick orders Mr. Crane to, quote-unquote, send them forth. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, we know something's going to be coming here. Yeah, yeah. Because at this point, we we haven't seen a Cyberman in four, have we? No, I mean, we've discussed them quite a bit in this talk-through, but they're still to appear on screen. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, then in my notes I've just put Ricky hates Mickey yes because for as much as Ricky represents what Mickey could be Mickey represents what Ricky could be and he does not like like that no this like sort of sad sack version (laughs) of himself that's kind of blundered into and also he's obviously deeply suspicious because he's like if he's some kind of long lost brother that throws up all kinds of questions if he's a clone that's freaky You know, so you can it's understand ways. It's a bit, it's a bit like out. in um, in Rick and Morty, where they have the Council of the Ricks. Yes, and they all just hate that one really nice Rick. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit like that. <laughs> yeah, in that, like you know, Mickey's trying his hardest, he but he's him. just the weakest. One, isn't <laughs> yeah. Right. So Pete and Rose have a little conversation. Yes, and yeah. he tells Rose that he and Jackie are actually separated. So yeah. they've almost got like a show marriage to maintain this yes. lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. And at this point, he mentions he has a friend that works at Torchwood. Yeah. Now, my criticism of this series has been I don't know where it's going. Yeah. I think we're building towards like the big introduction of Torchwood. I mean, I know yeah. you said at the end of this series is when Torchwood was launched as its own independent yes. yeah. show. Yeah. I think. That is it. I think that's. I think We're heading towards Torchwood. Yeah. Yeah. I th- you know, maybe I've been overcritical, but maybe I've just missed the signposts a yeah, little bit. Possibly. You yeah. Know. I mean, certainly it's come up a few times at this point. Yeah. Um, it, but it's. I think I've maybe missed it because I was aware of what Torchwood is yeah, and it yeah, fits into yeah. the law. Yeah. Whereas in the past, it would just be people chatting and then they'd just yeah. go, oh, by the way, bad wolf. Yeah. And it just didn't. Yeah, because yeah, you had no you had no kind of preconception of what that yeah. could be. Yeah. Um, but but I think having an understanding of Torchwood, yeah, yeah. I think I've missed that. As yeah, well as so it'd be interesting to see if that is the case. Yeah. How exactly that factors in? Yeah, uh, if at Definitely. all, or maybe it's just like stealth marketing. And yeah, we'll get to the end, and, 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 and it's just they're just offhandedly mentioning Torchwood every now and yeah. then, just as a reminder. That'll be it. The series will just finish with a cold cut, black yeah. screen, white text. By the way, Torchwood, yeah. 9 p.m. BBC yeah. One. Yeah. Um, um, right. So I th- wanted to mention with that scene with uh, Rose and, and Pete, though, that again he has this weird thing in, in, in an almost an echo of Father's Day when he feels this immediate connection to Rose, even here where it's a parallel version of him, um, he still kind of somehow recognises that in some way there is some kind of connection. And he sort of catches us just like, 
hang on, what, you know, why am I telling you all this? You're, you're a waitress, you know. Mm. And because he's confiding some really serious stuff, like stuff that could get in the papers and, you know, yeah. potentially. Anyway, right. Yeah. So, Mickey and Ricky see some weird robots marching. They do. But again, we still don't see the full Cyberman at this point. Boy, do we hear them stomp, though. Yeah. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Um, so, just to, uh, to as, a, as a note, Cybermen are not always quite that stompy. Really? That's definitely a, a, an innovation of the Cybus things. Right. They are really stompy. So, <laughs> having spoken to Pete, Rose now speaks to Jackie. Yeah. And she sort of annoys her by being so nice. Yeah. So she offers herself almost as a confidant. And then Jackie is sort of angry that Rose knows so much. Yeah. And, you know, they have a bit of a falling out. Yeah. And whilst all this is happening, the Doctor has hacked Pete's computer. Yes. He does it properly, not like Mickey. <laughs> just sit down and Google whatever he wants. <laughs> and he makes a revelation. And it's at this point we get the first view of the Cybermen. Yes. Okay. And I can't remember whether it's the Doctor or Lumic, but they're referred to as Human Point Two. Surely it's, it's Human 2.0. Yes, it should be. I think that's just fucking bad writing. And it annoys me every time I watch this. I watched that and I was like, have I got that right? And yeah, I because... Rewound I, it and I was just yeah. like... Because Human Point 2 means it's... It, we would suggest a, a minor bug fix. Yeah. That, that's the equivalent <laughs> of just like humans with a third arm. <laughs> yeah. Not even that. I mean, yeah. it's like humans with like... I don't know, maybe they've phased out the appendix because we don't need one anymore. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah, annoying. So, the president refuses to assimilate into becoming a Cyberman. Yeah, and you know he's dead. Like, the second he stands, he squares off against his Cyberman, you know he's dead. Yeah. So, Um, he's killed. but But I do like it. I think the actor plays it well. Like, he's not given a lot to do, but that kind of stoic, Mm. um, you know, standing up in the face of fascism effectively um I, I it's a nicely played moment i think it's one of my favorite moments in this episode mm. uh, but anyway yeah no so he's dead following that the cybermen sort of rampage through the yeah. party killing you could say they everyone. crash it there you go uh, there you. yeah and sorry everyone the episode ends with dr rose mickey yeah. ricky and ben I really need to learn his name. I've just put Ben. Just... Ben will do. Right. He Surrounded by Cybermen. Yeah. And the Doctor surrenders, yeah. and the Cybermen say they'll delete them. And that's where the first yeah. okay. of these two episodes end. So I like that I like the, 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 his solution is, he surrenders and he says, look, we're good stock. Take us to be upgraded. That's the smart play at that mm. moment, I think. Uh, especially having... We've already seen what happens if you refuse. Um, but then they're just like, nope, we're going to kill you anyway. And specifically, they say delete. And again, this is a modern innovation. Mm. The classic Cybermen don't go around shouting delete, delete, delete everywhere. And I bloody hate it because it's an obvious attempt to make it a catchphrase in the way exterminate is for the Daleks. Yeah. And you're, you're again, exactly. Well, well, the, the thing is, the Cybermen Daleks are not the same. But it's not helped when writers start adding stuff in that just makes them more similar. Like having a wheelchair-bound creator. <laughs> like having them parrot their own little catchphrase that might as well be exterminate. Yeah. It winds me up. It's like an off-brand Dalek. It's like Lidl Dalek. They're like an off-brand <laughs> Cyberman. 
then uh, that's the thing. They're not. They are to me. That they are because assignment that multiple origin stories, multiple interpretations, multiple ways of presenting them on screen. These are my least favorite Cybermen. Really? Yeah. As much as I I love Cybermen as a concept and as a, 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 as a monster, I don't think they're ever done as poorly in the history of the yeah. show than they are in these episodes. Right. So we're in episode two now. Yeah. Age of Steel. Yep. So this is episode six of season two from the twentieth of May two thousand and six. Yeah. I've just realised if they wanted to go spoiler free. Or at least be more subtle about it. Why don't they just swap the episode titles around? Yeah. Episode one of this could have been Age of Steel. Episode two, Rise of the Cybermen. Yeah. That would have been cool. Or just literally anything else. Yeah. Now, I like, see, I like Rise of the Cybermen as a name. I think that's a good good title. But if you've got a two-parter and two separate titles <laughs> to work with... Yeah. Don't, don't blow your mind in the first two minutes. Especially this one's called The Age of Steel. Yeah. And The Age of Steel never comes. No, it just and, and at least, or it does, but it lasts about thirty minutes. And at least with the first one, it, in similar way to Age of Ultron, yeah. in the, in the film turns out to be it's like more like the weekend of Ultron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah. So because cliffhangers mean nothing, the Doctor immediately just sonic screwdrivers them all. It's not a son- he doesn't use a sonic screwdriver. It's the little crystal thing that he breathed some of his time lord uh, essence right. into so it's like the TARDIS power yes right. and and he and he does specifically mention that it'll take time to recharge now um, he's used it yes so you know it's it's still it's a kind of deus ex machina but at least it's not the flipping sonic screwdriver because of course if he did that then the question would be why don't you just sonic all of them doctor or just go around sonic every last one of them yeah so no uh, that's uh, an important clarification so the Doctor and his little team get into Resistant Ricky's van. Yeah. And head away. And Jackie Tyler survived the attack and is hiding in the house. Yeah. Now, whilst they're inside the van, for all his flaws, we discover Pete Tyler is the one that's been leaking information to the Resistance. Yes. So whilst he's, you know, everyone thinks he's been, he's just like one of Limick's many puppets. Yeah. But it turns out he's... You know, he's like a mole, basically. Yeah. Um, and but I, I do like that he, he he says he thought he was like you know leaking it to authorities. Turns out, as yeah. in it's where Scooby doing this guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> even when they say that Ricky is London's most wanted, it turns out it's just all for parking tickets. Yes. So he's perhaps <laughs> not the badass he's made. Yeah, to I like that reveal because it's like, oh yeah, so you. Though he's a more hardcore version of Mickey, you can see the Mickey in him yes. at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Lou Mick at this point takes control of London. Yes. And he basically, all his people who were under his quote-unquote spell yeah. with the earpods, yeah. he commands them all to come to him. Yes. And they start he knows marching. that that's his base yeah. is at Battersea Power Station. Yes. Yeah. So, then I've just got they run around for a bit. Yeah. It's becoming a bit of a trope for series two. I know. think you'll find it's not just series two that yeah. that's the trope. So, but just, yeah, there is a bit of running around. Just loads of yeah. running around. I will say, I uh, I like that they use Battersea Power Station. It's such an iconic building. And it 
they do some nice shots of it in yes. this episode, and I think it's it it's it's one of those buildings that just lends itself to television, but uh, and, and film, but doesn't get as much use as you know some other London landmarks do. So, yeah, good good choice by who I don't know whether that was a directorial or just a writing choice or what it was, but yeah, right. So whilst they're running around, the Cybermen kill either Mickey or Ricky. Right. Yes. Now. And I thought it would have been Mickey. Yeah. And Ricky would take his place and he'd be the only one that knows. Yeah. But it's later revealed it's Ricky. Yep. And whilst on their Zeppelin slash bass, Mr. Crane unplugs Lumix life support. Yes, so we suddenly get this turn from Mr. Crane. Turns out he's also been a mole working yeah. from the inner side. So he realises that Lumix plan's yeah. sort of gone too far. Yeah. I think he was... On board as far as it was a nice job that paid him well. Yeah. But when but the risk of humanity, you know, yeah. becoming robots, I think he knew it was his civil duty. Yeah. So, so you think it's like it was? It's more of a snap judgment on his part. You don't think he'd been planning because it's kind of ambiguous, isn't it? Um, mm. Whether he'd been just waiting for the right moment or whether he was just like, oh no, this has gone too far. Time to literally pull the plug. But anyway, yeah. So he but, attempts to murder his boss. But then the Cybermen sort of intervene. Yeah. Because they wish to convert Lumic. And yeah. as we've said, he becomes the Cyber Controller. Yes, he does. Yeah. Okay. So the Doctor and Pals arrive at Battersea. And when they're devising a plan, Mickey gets sad because he's just left out entirely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Even though the Resistance is about... Six, seven people. I mean, you'd think they could do with the extra pair of hands, yeah. but... Imagine but... being told we're better off as a team of six. Yeah. You know. I, so... You know, I, I, I expect I've probably been in that situation before, because um, it's fair to say I'm, I'm, I'm not a natural sportsman, mm. and that was true when I was at school. And I would definitely be picked last when yeah. people were picking teams. I wouldn't at all be surprised if... Perhaps even voluntarily, just be like, you know what, you're better off without me, chaps. Off yeah. you go. <laughs> right. So he refers to himself as the third wheel of yeah. the Tin Dog. Yeah, a little call back to uh, School Reunion. Now, we, we haven't recorded since we talked about School Reunion. We haven't, no. I think I've listened to the yeah. K9 and Company theme tune probably about 100 times. It's catchy, isn't it's it? Irritatingly good. I love it. It's got it's got a bit of a sort of not quite prog rock vibe, but it's it's got it's got some power to it and and some meaty hooks. But I love that as great as that theme tune is, I, I take it you've watched the video, the yeah. title sequence. No holy shit. I wanted to mention that because Sarah Jane yeah. <laughs> displays absolutely no emotion. There's shots where she's like Reading a newspaper and having tea, and just stares blankly at the camera. There's bits where she's like running down a road, yeah, and just she's sort of sat at one point at a table drinking a glass of wine, just like on the side of a a road. Yeah, <laughs> but I, it's uh, yeah, it's an extraordinary uh, piece of television, and it's obviously been filmed in about half an hour. Because yeah. there's a bit where K9 is just sat on the road. Yeah. And then the next shot is Sarah Jane just running down the same bit of road. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I love it. Yeah. 
I'm looking forward to discussing it. We've got it penciled in, if you're curious, listeners. Uh, we're thinking we might do it as a Christmas special. Yeah. So It's the greatest gift I've ever <laughs> received. This so, they split into teams. Rose and Pete are going to wear fake earbuds and go in the front door. Yep. The Doctor has teamed up with Mrs. Moore. Yes. Who... who Oh, yeah, no, go on. She's just an old lady that helps the resistance. I really love Mrs. Moore. She's just a nice, a good egg. Yeah, and she's Welsh as well, so she scores points for that. I I really like Mrs. Moore as a character. Um, I think she's... Because she's not your... uh, The fact that, as you say, she's just a middle-aged lady, she's not a typical resistance fighter figure, but she she makes sense in that role. She appears to have the greatest superpower of all, the power of rational thought and common exactly. sense. She's she's sensible. She's resourceful. <laughs> Can you imagine that team without Mrs. Moore to keep those little boys in check? Yeah. They'd be useless. And then the third team is Mickey and Ben, who are going to go blow up the transmitter on the blimp. Yes. Okay. Now, the Doctor and Mrs. Moore basically get chased by the most useless of all Cybermen. Yeah. You know, they're pretty slow. They, they outrun them... Don't think they break into a jog. They just because <laughs> having... best is a power walk. Yeah, but they're having like a lovely conversation about Mrs. Moore's background. Who is she? Yeah, they don't break a sweat. <laughs> yeah. And the Cyberman version of Jackie begins to make Rose and Pete lose their cool. Yes. So they're sort of goose stepping in line. Yeah. With people who are willing to, not willing, but on their way to become. Yeah, they're, they're being controlled with the ear pods, and so so it's just basically like this this production line of Cybermen, effectively people just blindly walking into their doom. Yes, and then they encounter. Is this where they encounter the the Cyberman version of Jackie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's real because in the previous episode we see Jackie. Hiding from the Cybermen. So you're led to believe that she's maybe gotten away. Yeah. And then... She just hasn't. She just hasn't. But this is where we're introduced to my favourite character of the episode. Uh Uh-huh. Sally Phelan. Oh, God. This scene is brutal. Do do you know what it reminds me of? Have you you ever seen the episode of The Simpsons where I think Homer is talking about how he never gives up on a hobby... But in his garage, finds sort of a half-built robot, <laughs> and I think it says, "Father, give me legs," and he just throws it out onto the street for the dustbin man to pick up. Yeah. It, basically, what happens is the doctor breaks the emotional inhibitor. Yes. In Sally Phelan, who has become a Cyberman. Yeah. Or Cyberwoman, Cyberperson. Yes. And. Basically, she has a realisation of everything she's doing yeah. on an emotional level. Yeah. And, and, and like the only physical thing is that she, she just keeps repeating that she's so cold. Yeah. Which and, is horrible. And she was planning itself. on getting married. Yeah. And she just dies as a and tin bucket. The way, it's, the way it's broken as well. She's just... Because she's like asking, you know, where's her... Is it Gareth? I think she's, she's like, yeah. where's Gareth? He can't see me. It's unlucky to see me. Yeah, and it's just like, oh my god, it is. For all of this episode's flaws, when it wants to go for the emotional gut punch, yeah, 
it manages it time and again. My, my notes, I've got emotionally devastating. Yeah. And this is the key difference, in my opinion, between a Dalek story and a Cyberman story. Daleks are fascists, mm-hmm. um, but they are other. They are things to be opposed. The Cybermen are us. Yes. They are us gone horribly wrong. They are us with the us taken out of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's not a too tortured a sentence. Um, and that's why I think they are more interesting. I think they are more emotionally powerful a lot of the times. They, ha- they have greater storytelling potential because anyone could end up as a Cyberman. Yes, it's an alternative version of Jackie, but here we see Jackie, a character that we have grown fond of, perhaps mm-hmm. despite ourselves <laughs> yeah. in some cases, but all of a sudden she's reduced to this faceless, emotionless robot. And it's horrible. Even more horrible is yeah. Mrs. Moore gets killed yeah. in the next scene. Yeah. Um, just as they just as they've cracked it basically and, yeah. and realised that by disabling the emotional inhibitor they will it's gonna be horrible for those Simon who've already been turned, but that will end it. So yeah. that's their big plan. They they hatch that plan, seconds later, Mrs. Moore gets deleted. Yeah. I was doing finger quotes there, by the way. You, you can't see that. I, I forgot I was on a podcast there. <laughs> Amazingly, when they get to the system to stop the transmission, yeah, Mickey can't hack it immediately. His hacking skills have failed him. Ah, yeah. And I, obviously, it's not Buffalo on this parallel world. It must be a different pattern. Maybe it's Bison. Could be. He could have tried that. Come on, Mickey, <laughs> yeah. pull your finger out. And... We see at this point that Lumic has now been converted to the cyber controller. Yeah. Still sat in a chair. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Like, for all of the fact that he was like, this was going to be an upgrade for him. He's still, like, at least let him walk around. You know, that's the one thing he wanted. (laughs) Um, Uh, Mickey, now that he can't hack this system and the transmitter, he tricks a Cyberman into swinging a punch. Yeah. Ducks out the way. Yeah. The Cyberman punches through yeah. the transmitter and the people are now freed. Yeah. Now, the Doctor has met the Cyber Controller. Yes. And they have this long, drawn-out conversation. Uh-huh. And at first I thought, this is going on a bit. Yeah, this is like, even for like your, your trope of the James Bonds uh, meeting the villain, speechifying, yeah. it does seem to drag. But then... As it goes on and on, the Doctor sort of keeps giving sly winks towards yeah. one of the security cameras where yeah. Mickey's watching him. And he makes a point of, I think, raising that Rose still has her mobile phone. Yeah, he's sort of saying, like, there is an, you know, there'll be a code that you can use to override an emotion sorry the emotional inhibitor and that even an idiot and he only <laughs> emphasizes the word even an idiot could do that and etc yeah. etc et and so mickey uh manages to find said code yeah texts it to rose and then we get that final moment where he's sort of saying and you know because uh, the doctor also makes a point that that um lumic has created this world where every piece of technology is con- compatible with everything else yeah. So all he has to do is jam the mobile phone into a little connector port. Yeah. And that 
I think does he then sonic it to, to send the signal out maybe or something I possibly can't remember. but anyway but anyway so that sends that override code out to every Cyberman and all of all of a sudden all of these recently converted uh, people are having the most horrific existential crisis <laughs> yeah. imaginable and literally you see one of their heads explode <laughs> yeah brilliant yeah and so it's simultaneously it's weird because it's this moment of triumph but also great tragedy yes yeah absolutely yeah it's sort of the greater good they've saved the widespread terror but london is not the place to be yeah no a lot of people have been lost through through this so mickey and ben argue because they understand that Battersea is going to blow up and they need to escape in the Zeppelin. Yeah. But Mickey refuses to leave Rose and the Doctor. Now, Rose manages to get there and hangs on the ladder yeah. wonderfully, just like in Empty Child. Yeah. But the Cyber Controller is also on the ladder. Yeah. I'll be honest, this is the point at which I kind of tune out of this episode because we're still about 15 minutes away from the end. I feel like we've had our big climactic moment. Yeah. And then this is more just faffing around. Yeah. And I don't really care about the cyber controller like just dangling off the end of a... It's a bit like it's... Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They've got about eight endings. It here. does feel oh. like padding, this. But anyway. So, so we... the Doctor gives Pete the sonic screwdriver. Yeah. And he says, this is for Jackie. Uses the sonic screwdriver to cut the rope. And it's at this point that Rose tells this version of Pete that she's his daughter. Yeah. So I think he's beginning to walk away, yeah. sort of facing his crimes. Oh, we can't we can't gloss over the the final shot of of Lumic slash the Cyber Controller, like tumbling into the abyss, going. Yeah. No! It's a little bit like uh, New Earth, where we had the cat lady yeah. fall down the elevator. I feel it's very like sub Star Wars. It's yeah. trying to do that kind of moment, it's, but it doesn't. Yeah, that. it's a little bit like the. Hans Gruber death scene yeah, from Die Hard yeah. where he falls in slow motion and you can yeah. see Alan Rickman's emotion but obviously here it's just yeah. a metal face that doesn't display anything. So. Thank, thank you for spoiling Die Hard for me. To be fair that's on me. It's <laughs> not a new okay. film. <laughs> but well, again we've established already I don't uh, watch enough films. Just so, on, on a little yeah. segue um, whilst we're talking about that shot from Die Hard basically Alan Rickman's character falls to his death. Yeah. When they were filming it, they said, we're going to drop you on three. And they purposefully dropped Alan Rickman on two. So ah. the emotion was real. He was genuinely scared he was falling to his death. That's brilliant. He thought the equipment had failed. Yeah. I'm not certain whether he ever forgave. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. But that's, you know, clever bit of directing. Right. So, as we said, Pete begins to walk away, sort of facing his crimes yes and Rose shouts dad yeah and he just replies don't yeah. and just walks away I mean what how would you react in, in his shoes there like I, like he probably had an inkling yeah at that point but you wouldn't want to know would you you would because what, what can you do about that she's going away anyway she's, she's not yeah. part of your you haven't raised her it's it's yeah. tough yeah Plus, he's got enough on his plate at the moment. He does. He's married to a robot. Yeah. Of his own creation, I mean, partially. She's presumably dead at this point. Yeah. Um, he's got a lot going on. He does. He doesn't need that. Right, now, 
then we move into the bit of the episode I really liked. Yeah. Okay. So they say their goodbyes, and Mickey says he's going to stay. Yeah. He says he's going to replace Ricky. And not to dwell on an earlier point, but yeah. if he's there when he shouldn't be because he's dead, maybe the Reapers could appear. Nope. <sighs> and he finally breaks up with Rose. Yeah. And I didn't really see this coming, mm-hmm. but I sort of realised this was Mickey's story. This yeah. is the conclusion of his tale. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's 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 found... But the whole thing he's been struggling with since Rose met the Doctor... Is the fact that he is now surplus to requirements. Yeah. And now it's a it's a parallel world, but he's found a world where he's needed. Yeah. And there is no Rose, there is no doctor. Yeah. So he can be that hero yeah. he wants to be. Though, is there a doctor in this parallel well, universe? If there is, where is he? He should have been dealing with this. Can't be everywhere at once. He literally can. <laughs> he has a magic box. <laughs> like, that is... Uh, he, that... Cho- he chooses not to be everywhere at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, so... The Doctor tells Ben... Yeah. Although, uh, this is the first time I've written his real character's name. Yeah. Jake. Jake. There I you go. I think Liam. See, it's, it's, it's such a, he's such a forgettable character. Yeah. Anyway, so yes. He says, go tell Mrs. Moore's family she was a hero. Yeah. Because we do have that conversation earlier on where Mrs. Maud does say, you know, yeah. I have a family. Yeah, she had a, fa- yeah, she had a family um, and she had to basically abandon them and let them believe that she was dead because that was the only way to keep them safe. Yeah. Yeah. She's the real hero of this story. Mm. Yeah, I would say She so. absolutely is. And it goes um, back to that earlier point where just one person can make the difference. We've yeah. dwelled on that. I think since Father's Day, yeah, where Eccleston says it, yeah, and the Doctor gives Mickey Rose's phone, so he has the code to go clear all the Cybermen, yeah. But now Rose has no way of contacting home when they're on adventures anymore. Yeah, but I suppose she only ever rang Mickey anyway. Yeah, and her mum. Yeah, and then we get to see Jackie, don't we? Yeah, so they go and see the proper Jackie. Yeah, Jackie Point One. Yeah. Just dwell on that for a second. And then we cut back to Mickey and Jake together, and they say that there's another plant in Paris that they can go liberate. Yeah. And Jake says, Well, are we just going to liberate it in a van? And this is the best line of the whole episode. Mickey just says, I want to save the universe in a big yellow truck. Yeah. We got it. We got it. They acknowledge. Yeah. It's and it's it's great. It's a real moment of triumph for, for Mickey. You know, he's found his po- purpose. He's found his people, yeah. and happily ever after, presumably. How upset would he be if he went back to see his nan and she'd just fallen <laughs> down the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he'd been saving the world at the exact moment. Oh God! Doesn't bear thinking about, does it? No. And he's straight off to, in that van. I mean, hopefully he stops off en route. Yeah, so, but to carpet right on the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on, Mickey, don't make this thing. We'll, but perhaps we'll never know. Um, yeah. Presumably this is the end of his story. Um, Maybe. Maybe yeah. not, who knows. 
Yeah. Nothing makes sense with Doctor Who. So. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's. I mean, it kind of because it's a true of any long running thing. In the same way that you know you're a comic book fan, nobody can ever truly die in comic books. Yeah. Nobody can ever truly get you. Especially when you, you've introduced parallel worlds. So now, literally, that's a whole other kettle of yeah. fish you've opened up there, isn't it? So yeah, I literally last night was reading the Uncanny X Men annual where Cyclops is just alive now. It was like the right. big comic event a couple of years ago. Death <laughs> of X. Cyclops died. The X-Men yeah. were divided. He's, he's back. Yeah. So you never know with Doctor Who. Yeah, spoilers if anyone's reading that. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, but having said that, this is a very satisfying conclusion for me. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably the bit for me that saves the episode just being a bad episode there's there's yeah. a couple of things to love but there's a lot of just faff yeah and i think a lot of that comes down to the fact that it's i do think a lot of it comes down to the writing of the episode mm. more than anything i think it's perhaps the trouble is a, a, a single parter would not have been enough to tell yes, this story no, definitely but having said that uh an hour and a half Two forty-five minute episodes feels like either they needed another plot thread or something, or they could have just there is padding. Yeah, I think maybe if they could have taken that time to develop Lou McMore as a villain, mm-hmm. that could have been interesting. I don't know what else they could have done. That's what I would have done yeah. if I was rewriting it. But having said that, for an introduction to my favourite classic villains, it's not dreadful. It's not the best. But they get the the most important elements right. The Cybermen look like proper Cybermen. Um, it all comes down to this kind of notion of what it means to be human, um, which is key to telling a good Cyberman story. So yeah, I think it's more more good than bad for me. Mm. And I also want to quickly shout out to Graham Harper, the director of this episode, uh, who I think does a good job in it. And maybe not the greatest that we've ever seen on, on the direction that we've ever seen on this show, but pretty solid. And he also has a very unique uh, claim to fame. Go on. He is the only director to have directed both classic Doctor Who and New Who. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he was quite young when he did um, some stuff in the uh, early to mid-80s, I think, for Doctor Who. I think he did two or three stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so... And he's always kind of been involved. In, you know, he'd been going to conventions. He was actually touted at one point there was a plan to do... Would it have been the four, 30th or 40th anniversary story? Um, after the show had gone off the air, there was plans to do, like, an anniversary okay. one-off yeah. He was tabbed to, to direct that. Never got past pre-production. But, so he's always been a presence, even during the wilderness years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really nice that they invited him back because um, obviously the majority of Classic Who directors either retired or sadly mm-hmm. you know, passed on. So at this point, probably, I think he'll be the only one to ever have that claim to fame. I don't think there's anyone else who even... who is an active television director still right who worked on the classic series so there you go okay anything else we need to add for this episode i don't believe so 
No. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks very much for listening as ever, everyone. Um, next week we will be discussing The Idiot's Lantern. Yeah. So yeah. tune in Looking for that. forward to that. So until next time, cheerio. Bye now. listening to neither the time nor the space if you wish to contact us our email address is time nor space pod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at time nor space pod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor who theme about something, I see it through to the end. Father, give me 